0: Welcome to the Annie E. Casey Foundation Podcast, a monthly conversation focusing on how all of us can work together to build a brighter future for kids, families, and communities. I'm Lisa Hamilton, Vice President of External Affairs at the Foundation. I'm delighted to be your host, and I'm so glad you've joined us for a hopefully inspiring and interesting conversation today. The Casey Foundation is focused on giving kids what they need, strong families, Vibrant communities, and financial stability. In these efforts, the Foundation is fortunate to work with innovators who develop, test, and implement solutions to help kids thrive. Each month, we'll bring you an in depth conversation with one of these experts right here on the Casey Foundation podcast. May is National Foster Care Month a time to consider ways that all of us can play a part in improving the lives of children and youth in foster care. For more than 20 years, the Casey Foundation has worked to develop and promote effective child welfare practices. We recently worked with Delaware to help it implement strategies to engage families in decision-making and to keep teens out of foster care. Today, I'm excited to talk with Shirley Roberts, Shirley is the Director of Family Services, a division within the state's Department of Services for Children, Youth, and Their Families. Shirley, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, why don't we start by having you talk about the goals of the child welfare system. Some listeners may be unfamiliar and would like to know what the child welfare system is trying to accomplish and the kinds of services it provides.
1: The goal of our division is prevention, protection, and permanency. We hope to provide services that will prevent any child from being harmed. But whenever there is a concern about risk to a child or a family that is having some concerns that could potentially lead to risk of harm to those children, we offer the protective services arm of our division. That includes a 24-7 hotline that is statewide where anyone can call into our hotline to discuss any concerns, even if they're uncertain whether or not it rises to the level um, of a need for an investigation. a um, family is determined to need an investigation. We have um, investigation units that are in each of our counties. Um, They're responsible for doing an assessment regarding safety and the need for ongoing services for that family. Um, We have treatment units, and those treatment units are responsible for ongoing service planning and case planning with families to help remedy the risk to children. And if children have been determined to um, need foster care, they would work with families on reunification planning. Um, We offer uh, permanency units for those children where it's determined that return home reunification is not a likely outcome. They will work with the youth to either um, prepare them for other permanency options, which could include adoption, or to prepare them for adulthood, um, if they are an older youth. Um, In addition to those services, what's um, perhaps unique to Delaware, in our division, we also have the Office of Child Care Licensing. So we're responsible for the licensing and monitoring of all childcare facilities um, in the state. And we also house uh, a criminal history unit So for those that are going to be working with children or vulnerable populations such as um, teachers, child welfare folks, um, hospital staff, they have to all um, get a criminal history check and that is housed within our division.
0: those are certainly an important set of services to make sure that children in your state are safe. You know, nationally, we have seen many years of decline, but are starting to see an increase in the number of children coming into foster care. Is this the case in Delaware as well? And if so, why?
1: We've seen an increase across the board. Um, First, we've seen an increase at our hotline. Um, Delaware is a small state so the numbers may not seem significant to many um, to many states and jurisdictions but um, we have seen a steady increase each year in the number of reports that are coming into our hotline. This year we anticipate receiving 20,000 hotline reports. Um, A couple of years ago we worked with Annie um, Annie E. Casey Foundation to really address some of the unnecessary foster care entries. And we were very successful in reducing the number of teen entries into foster care. And at the time, our actual overall entries um, had decreased. But over the past um, probably year and a half, we have begun to see an increase in the number of children that are entering care. Um, We're pleased that the number of teen injuries has continued to remain relatively low as compared to the overall population. But what has been alarming is that we've seen a 31% increase um, in the number of um, children in the age group of 0 to 2 that are entering foster care. And you know, even though there are a variety of reasons, Um, What we're seeing primarily is that the primary reason is because um, of heroin um, use and prescription drug abuse, so we have a larger number of children and, and a large number of infants that are being born drug exposed.
0: Does your child welfare agency partner with others to help parents address their issues so that they can be reunited with their children?
1: Well, fortunately, because it is Delaware and we are a small state, we do have close relationships with um, partner agencies. Actually, for more than 20 years, we have partnered with um, one of our um, private um, um, substance abuse treatment agencies to have um, staff housed within our child welfare system. So we have substance abuse liaisons that are housed in our regional offices that um, are the first line in helping families um, assess the the concerns about a possible drug abuse and to get them connected to services. Um, We also partner um, with private agencies and the public agency that is responsible for providing substance abuse uh, treatment. And in addition, because substance abuse is such a broad issue Uh, We meet regularly with hospitals um, on reporting and concerns regarding mothers and children that are coming into the hospital where drugs might be an issue. And we also meet regularly with home visiting programs and um, are meeting with the Division of Public Health. So it is a very tight-knit community that's trying to work with this, but it continues to be a struggle for all of us.
0: Well, in the unfortunate situation where a child must be removed from their home, foster parents are obviously an important resource, both for the children and for the system. Would you talk a bit about the foster parents that you've been able to work with and their descriptions about the reasons they've decided to open their homes and their lives to a child in need?
1: Let me say, foster parents are amazing because they do open their homes to children that they don't know, um, that they know are bringing a variety of um, possible concerns. And the foster parents that do step forward do so because they really do have a belief in being able to help children and really being able to shape their future. But one of the things that I think I would be remiss um, to say is that foster parents are part of the story. And although we do have a large number of children in foster care, we have worked also very hard at using relatives. And so we have had a, an increasing uh, reliance on bringing relatives to the table to be able to provide care for their kin. And, you know, whats uh, what's been a challenge is um, sometimes all the requirements for foster care is It can be difficult for relatives to meet. So, we have um, in this past uh, year developed a kinship program that would help relatives be able to go through an approval process, but that would allow them to be able to care for their kin, but it does not have the same level of requirements. And one of the things that we have seen since we began the kinship program is that, you know, even though We try to work to make sure that placements are stable for all children, that we match them in the best possible home. We've seen the greatest stability when we have been able to have a relative either become a foster parent or a relative that's been willing to step forward to do kinship. And with our new kinship program this year, we've had of all the families that stepped forward, we had no children that had to be replaced. So it is, foster parents certainly are amazing, um, kin are amazing, and we absolutely need more families that really are willing to take that challenge to help children um, successfully move into the next phase of their life, and particularly um, with teens, because many people do not see themselves being able to care for teens in their home. And I believe teens are amazing. They are the ones that can be so receptive to help. Um, They can be so receptive to help as someone trying to get them into adulthood. And sometimes the challenges that teens bring can be um, scary for folks. And we have worked very hard this past year or two in getting people to really better understand teens and to help have teens be part of our recruitment efforts
0: for their peers could you talk a bit about the kinds of support that your agency provides both to kin who step forward to care for children, but also for foster parents? Well,
1: we have a fairly intensive training program curriculum for foster parents and for kin that are stepping forward. Um, We also have a foster home coordinator that is assigned to each foster home or kin provider to really be the person that any issues that come up it's the first line it's almost like the foster parent has their own caseworker to help with support one of the things that we saw though that as we were placing teens we in particular is that sometimes when foster parents needed assistance um, sometimes it was after the regular hours of 8 to 4 30 and one of the gaps we had was that other than calling our hotline when crises may occur. They did not have an avenue. And so we have been able to develop a warm line for our foster parents. So anytime an issue comes up and they need someone to talk them through a crisis, or they have a question, there is someone um, there to provide that. We also provide respite um, to our foster parents in addition to a variety of other supports. Anything that a foster parent is saying that they need to help support that child, we try to be creative in meeting that need, knowing that every family is can be quite different and every child can be quite different.
0: So I know that you've worked with the Casey Foundation uh, to help achieve your goal of increasing family engagement in your system. Could you talk a bit about why it was important to you to focus on this issue and the kinds of strategies you used?
1: I mean, to be per- perfectly honest, when we started having conversations with um, Casey about family engagement, I fully was not, I certainly understood family engagement was, was important but I had a real learning curve and as we began talking more and I was learning and reading and being educated it was one of those dull moments about how can you possibly plan for a child and not consider family and it wasn't just about hearing a family's voice but when we are making decisions about safety family engagement is a key part Of um, being able to assess safety. The more information, the more people you can bring to the table, the more information you have for a family and you're able to be able to better keep them safe. It's really important when it comes to permanency. It becomes when a parent is struggling with whatever their issue is, being able to engage a family can be critical for that parent to have added support, not just emotionally, but to help them through case planning. And so when Casey came to Delaware, the first reaction for many of our staff was, we do family engagement already, so this isn't really anything new. But as we really went about doing education to our staff and really getting them to understand what family engagement was, they really understood that meeting with a family and having an interview with them was not engagement. Engagement is really making sure that they are a critical partner in the process. And since that time, we have really worked to make that part of everything that we're doing from the time that a call comes into our hotline, we try to take a more balanced approach in getting not just the concerns about the family, but also the strengths of the family. We make no decisions about placement removal um, without um, getting family input and sitting down and really talking about options. It has been something that has permeated our division and it has been a, a seed That really has been planted in our department, not just in child welfare, but it has started taking hold in other child serving agencies to really be able to understand the power that a family can have in a child's
0: success. You mentioned earlier the issue of trying to make sure that older youth and teens have positive experiences when they are in foster care. Could you talk a bit about the work you did in order to make sure that you improve outcomes for teens and find permanent families for them as well?
1: Well, one of the best things that you can do for teens um, well before it comes to um, finding a permanent family is to prevent them from having to come into care in the first place. And one of the things that we had, the, um, we did a couple of things. One of the things that we did that I believe had the greatest impact was when we implemented team decision-making. And for those that don't know, team decision-making referred to as TDM, it is a planning meeting that happens when a child's at risk of coming into placement. Um, or if it, if a child has to come into placement um, on an uh, on an emergency basis, it, it, a meeting occurs just within a few days after that placement, and we were um, amazed at the number of um, youth and particularly teens that we were able to divert from foster care safely with family members, and as many teens that we were able to divert to family keep them from. Um, foster care, that means that on the tail end, you don't have the same issues of finding permanency um, for teens because they've been able to safely remain with with their families and the family has been able to develop a safe plan. But there are other times where teens certainly did need to come into care and bringing family to the table was a way of keeping those teens connected to their family Um, They were able to um, continue seeing um, aunts and uncles and participate in family events and reunions. And one of the saddest things for me is when you have a teen that's aging out of foster care and they've lost that connection to their family. And so they're going out in the world on their own. Even if they do have to age out of foster care and we've not been able to get them with family Family have still; they're still very critical, and they've been very helpful in supporting a teen through their transition into adulthood. So I just feel like I just can't say enough about um, about the work that we've done and the work with um, bringing families to the table and trying to achieve good permanent options for for children. We've also had some teens that. Um, A few that we've been able to move on to adoption. And I think sometimes they have a um, skewed view of what their families will be able to do for them, um, you know, as they go through their teenage years. And sometimes it's been very helpful in seeing that play out for the teens while they're still in our care. So sometimes their ideas about what will happen and the supports that they're going to have after 18 they realize that that may not be there. and so they're able to take advantage of some of the supports that we're able to provide while they're still 18, and then under age 18, and then once they receive um, they get to the age of 18, being able to participate in some of our independent living um, services.
0: So Shirley, as we celebrate National Foster Care Month, I wonder if you have recommendations for anyone who's interested in supporting a child in foster care. How could they get involved?
1: I think anyone that's interested in, um, interested in supporting a child in foster care should really just call their local child welfare agency and really look at the options. I know that states are so very different, but there are many ways besides fostering that you can support a youth. We have um, we have young people that are in college that tutor our youth. Um, we have many youth that have many interests, you know, whether or not it's sports or music. There's ways that you can help um, nurture and support an interest that a teen has. There's so many opportunities besides actually um, fostering. There's ways that you can actually um, that you can also support a foster parent there. Um, We have um, some young people that come in and um, do art lessons um, with our youth. It's whatever the youth needs, there are people out there that we know that can meet that need. And so I would suggest that they call their their child welfare agency and say, yes, I am interested in helping a teen. I'm helping. I would like to volunteer and to find out what those options are, because we could certainly use any assistance, and we want to take advantage
0: of everyone's talents. Well, we certainly hope that folks take you up on those opportunities. If you want to learn more about Casey's work in Delaware, you can find a recent case study on our website, aecf.org. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shirley. Thank
1: you.
0: And I want to thank our listeners for joining as well. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, Rate our podcast on iTunes to help others find us. To learn more about our podcast and for show notes, visit our website, AECF.org, and follow the Casey Foundation on Twitter at AECF News. Until next time, I wish all of America's kids and all of you a bright future.